Welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. I am excited today to, uh, to introduce one of my longest uh, acquaintances in dentistry, um, one of the original members of the Crown Council, Dr. Tom Hughes. Tom uh, practiced dentistry for over 46 years and uh, has studied and applied at the feet of some of the very best in dentistry and has created a curriculum uh, that I think any dentist can benefit. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about that today. And uh, just give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, Tom graduated from USC, uh, started a practice in Southern California. He practiced in Southern California for 20 years, then moved to Colorado and uh, went into practice in Colorado, practiced another 22 years there. So all told with dental school, uh, Tom, I think we calculated uh, at least 46 years of, of, uh, of dental experience. Let's just cap it off a half a century. How's that? Um, easy enough. And uh, not only has built and been extremely successful in practice, uh, but has found uh, just an amazing way to share that wisdom. And I'd like to start, um, Tom, I'm going to paraphrase one of my favorite quotes and, and I've Steveized this a little bit, but one of my favorite quotes from the Bible that says, uh, he who does, who, who teaches and does shall be called great. And it's, it's not often uh, that you find somebody who's done it, who also has figured out how to teach other people how to do it effectively usually it's either a good teacher but they haven't figured out how to do it or they do it but they can't share it you have combined both of those and we're going to talk about that today in what you've learned and then how you put it together so that other people can benefit so welcome and uh, thank you for being our crown council mentor of the month today well thanks for inviting me steve good to see you again Likewise, uh, why don't you just start out? You came to a crossroads in your career that I think most dentists can relate to. Uh, you went along for a period of time, did okay. Uh, in, in marathon running, they call it hitting the wall, where it's just like, man, I can't go any further like this. And I think you hit a wall uh, in dentistry about, uh, uh, 12 years or so into practice. Tell, tell us a little bit about that experience and how it transformed you as a dentist. It was an interesting transition for me. I, um, as you said, I hit this wall and it was surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. I was, in, I was enjoying my practice. I was enjoying what I was doing, but it was becoming very routine and losing a little bit of its glitter and some of its shine. And the, the doctor that I took over the practice from had hit the same wall at about eight, year 13, 14. And I thought to myself when I saw that, it seems so unusual. I mean, I was young. I didn't see that that could possibly happen to me. Uh, and he moved off from Southern California to Oregon to grow apples. And when I hit that wall, I was not going to do that. I was not going to move to Oregon and grow apples. So... Uh, something else had to change. So I was at this point where I, I was a bit frustrated. I was disappointed a little bit. Uh, I wasn't enthusiastic about what I was doing, but I couldn't quit. I mean, I had a family, I had a house payment. I had all the things we all have, student loans even. And um, I had to do something and I wasn't sure what to do, but I was 
I was at that point where I knew I had to make a decision. I could not, I could not, I could not envision myself going on with what I was doing from that point for another 20 years to retirement. It was just not something I could dream about. So I was beginning to be very open to other suggestions. And that's when <clears throat> I met some mentors that changed my thinking and thing changed my processing and changed my outlook on what I am doing and what I should be doing. And that was a turning point for me. And it was, uh, it was very interesting. I was, I was at a point where I was open. It was important for me to make these changes and I knew it. So I was ready. I was beginning to be prepared for this. And now I was really looking, actively looking for a mentor that could change that problem for me to solve that problem. My dad was not a dentist. I mean, I, he couldn't guide me in this. I was like a, a young boy that didn't have a father to show him how to shave. It was a very interesting situation. I didn't know where to go. And I was, I was looking and as they say, when the, when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. That's right. And that's what happened. So I was very fortunate to meet the people that I met that, that changed my career for me. And I can tell you more about that if you want to hear about that and who they were. What were some of the, what were some of the biggest ahas that you had when you, when you started? And I know some of those mentors because we've, uh, right. we've known each other for a long time. One of those was Ray Bertolotti. There's many others. Um, but what were some of the biggest ahas that really changed your vision and your philosophy of dentistry? The, the biggest aha was um, a meeting I had, believe it or not, with a cousin. She asked me, if you had to do it again, would you do dentistry again? And I thought about that and I said, I would like to do something that... <laughs> That's fine. I decided that I wanted to do, I told her when she asked me that question, that I would like to do something that I could be a provider of something that people wanted. And I thought about that. And I thought to myself, and on the way home, I ran that past myself several times. And I thought, I could do that. I can provide things that people want. So that was my biggest aha. That was a moment that changed it all. When when I thought I could change my practice to focus on what people want, not what they need. So a desire-driven condition makes it fun. It's like selling something to somebody that maybe doesn't even need it, but they want it. Now people, as Bill Blatchford taught me, people wanna look good, feel good, and last a long time. Doesn't matter where you are, who you are, or where you live or anything about you. It, that's what people want in general. And he also taught me that people will find ways to get what they want. So if you're providing what people want, it's gonna be a very easy thing to do. And that's what really brought a lot of happiness to my practice. Because when I discovered that, when I had that aha moment, hmm. it's like everything changed. So up until that point, you felt you were pushing things on people that they didn't really want. You were telling them what they needed, but not really helping them with what they wanted. Exactly, and you know, Bill Blashford, Bill Blashford also told me, he said, nobody needs anything. I mean, people live without any teeth. Right. They go to their grave with no teeth. So they don't need anything. And they're not going to die if you don't provide dentistry. We're not, we're not in, that, in that realm. We're not in that level of care. 
So I decided let's make it what people want. And once I took that philosophy along with Ray Bertolotti's adhesion dentistry and minimal invasion, those features began to transform my philosophy about what I wanted to do um, and how I wanted to practice. Now, once I subscribed to that, it affected and permeated every, everything in my office, my, my team members, the decor in my office, uh, the way we treated people, everything about it just started to come together. And it was those features and those mentors that showed me that and taught me that that made it possible. Philosophically, so minimally invasive. So if I get this right, do what people want and do as little of it as possible. <laughs> I'm joking with you, but, but I mean, that's a big shift from, you know, telling people what they need and, and trying to get them to do it to like, uh, you know, I think John Coyce says, uh, no dentistry is the best dentistry, right? Minimally invasive. That's let's right. take the best of what you've got. Let's build on it and help you get what you want. Yeah, the, as I've said, and it's kind of a takeoff on John Coyce, um, the least invasive dentistry is the best dentistry you can possibly offer. The more invasive it is, the worse it is. And any, any dentistry that you do on a patient, it's probably going to have to be replaced within their lifetime. So the less you do, the better off the patient is. Now, if you take that approach, and if that's the approach that I want for me, and I want for my family, and I want on my own teeth, how can I possibly deliver anything different from that to my patients? It just would be such a, uh, just such a wrong thing to do. I just couldn't get comfortable with it. So in addition to adhesion dentistry and, and minimally invasive, uh, share with us the other building blocks that were part of your clinical philosophy of care that changed. Well, first of all, it had to be adhesion minimal dentistry. In other words, I wanted to make the, the, the materials that I was using um, adhere to the teeth. Um, so it gives reliability, gives success. So that fit very, very nicely. And when you do that with minimal invasion and you've got these, these ideas that people are gonna, are gonna consume what they want, then pretty very quickly you become a purveyor and a provider of things that are not real invasive to people's teeth. They appreciate that. And they tell the friends that they're not gonna just be whittling their teeth down to every tooth being whittled down for a crown. I mean, that's just excessive and it's, it's disgusting. When you get into this, you find things and you look at things that are being done and even things in, in uh, trade journals and dental, dental magazines and things, you look at them and you say, oh my goodness, that's way too invasive, just not good. So it does, it changes your attitude about how you diagnose and how you think about what you're gonna do for your patients. It's a very interesting shift and it really helped me. So what did, what did, you, did you do this? Did you start doing it in California or did this, did you put it into full practice when you got to Colorado? No, I started in, I started in California. I started in, <clears throat> I would say I'd have to name the date at about 1986. That's when things started to really change because I changed my philosophy. I changed, I'd already been through the aha moment. I'd already hit the wall. I was ready for a change. I was starting to meet people that were really affecting the change. I met, I met you. I met you in the late, 
Well, the late nineties. Yeah, it was probably yeah late nineties. Me and Walter, and yeah, you yes. came to your dental boot camp and big impact on me. I mean, I I learned how to share through Crown Council. Crown Council has a great attitude about our community of success. A, a successful um, sharing process. I mean, that was a big thing for me to learn, and not that I was holding or playing my cards in tight. It's just that I found that Dennis didn't share. Right. When I got to you, I got out of the cottage situation, cottage environment, and I got to share with a lot of dentists all over the country, and it was just a very different thing. So that changed me totally. And then also in 1986, I uh, bought a camera because I couldn't communicate what I could do for my patients. So with a camera, the old saying about a one word is, a word is worth a thousand, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Right. Um, it's so true, because when I discovered that, I realized I can communicate what I have to offer and what I know my patients would like to have by displaying what I can provide for them. I, I pretty much, it was all happening at the same time. It all just was blending together, you know, meeting uh, Ray Bertolotti, learning some different focuses on my practice from Bill Blatchford, uh, Linda Miles um, and her philosophy. And um, just a lot of people came together, but the pupil was ready. I mean, I was ready to take on those, those mentors and they really right. helped me. And I think the opening of the doors to communication and communicating with so many other dentists was, was a profound uh, impact on my practice. If you had to contrast your California practice with your Colorado practice, what was the difference? The Colorado practice was very, very small, very condensed, a very simplified version. California was very big, very complicated. Uh, took all my time to run it. And um, I didn't, I really didn't want to spend that much time doing that. So I wanted to condense everything about my life and my practice and my, the economies, the time I could spend with my family, uh, the time I had to spend with my team to keep things rolling. I wanted to be able to have more control over that. So in California, it was a, a crisis management situation day to day almost. <clears throat> oh, and you had patients that were in crisis. I mean, you were primarily serving neat people that had like chronic, I, something's wrong, you got to fix it. Right. Very, very demanding situation where California just, um, it, it, it bakes that in. It's part of the, part of the culture, I think. Right. Uh, Colorado, much, much different. I'm not saying they're good or bad. It's just that I knew what I wanted. So um, I only get one life. I can't rewind it. So I wanted to be able to provide for patients that I wanted to see what I knew best and how to do. So I had learned much of what I, what I brought with me to California, from California, I'm sorry. I brought that to Colorado, Colorado practice, but it's very different kind of practice. But I could focus on my patients. I could, I could like Ron, I believe it was Ron Jackson said, um, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I could really focus on the care aspect of it. And that was another mentor. I mean, that, those, these little buzzwords are kind of, um, they're not just buzzwords. They're, 
things you learn and you think about that statement and it sinks in, let it sink in for a while and it does affect you. So you've taken really everything you've, you've learned that you experienced and you figured out a, a clear and a concise way to share that with other dentists in a way that they can learn it and apply it. Um, you, you call it mentors and masters and maybe give us just a quick little backstory on how that came to be. That is a very interesting, very interesting story because I had collected an enormous amount of information over a period of 46 years of practice. And I had a fellow that was in my practice with me, a recent graduate and heavy debt from school. And um, he, wanted to, he wanted me to be his mentor. So I took him on board. And for the first six months, he just watched and looked over my shoulder. But he listened to everything I had to say and watched every move I made. And we talked about treatment and why it was done a certain way that I would do. And then he became enthusiastic enough about that to later assume the practice and the whole running the practice. And um, he announced to me one day that I had saved him probably 10 years of a learning curve. So I shortened his learning curve um, by not having to rediscover or to yeah. discover the wheel, I guess, or invent the wheel. You gave him a 10 year head start in his practice. Exactly, 10 year head start. And then one of my patients, who was a filmmaker, I asked me some questions about it and we were, he was helping me some things in the office and he asked me, how many people know about this? How many people practice like this? I said, not very many. Not very many, maybe 10, 15%. He said, well, we need to get the word out. So he said, you know, I have a filmmaking company, a video company. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, um, uh, YouTube level and that sort of thing. So no, 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 we're not, not talking about that. We're talking about a tightly edited, real short version of taking a two or three or four hour presentation and stuffing it into 10 minutes. Yeah. I said, you can do that? And he said, yeah, I can do that. I said, well, that would be something I think a lot of dentists could appreciate and could really benefit from. So could I, the question became, could we, my partner, Jim Fitzgerald, could we take the concepts that I have, the, the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience, could we take that and compress it into 10 minute intervals and show dentists what they could do for their patients? And um, we tried a few and we thought, and we, and we let a focus group look at it and they said, yeah, this is good, they liked it. And can we get more? When we see some more, and they said, we don't have any more. <laughs> so we want some more. So we made some more and it turned out being 50. Now 50 is about one a week for a year. Wow. Now, if you take, if you do, if you review four videos per week, that'd be 16 a month. And in three months, you'd be just about through all of them. So in three months, you could get up to speed uh, or faster if you want. Right. Or do, do one a week and take a year. Whatever you want to do. And so we, right. it gives you that option. It also has the ability to replay it and you can replay it at faster speed. So you can watch it again at 1.25 or 1.5, or if you're really fast, 1.75. So you can replay things. You can back it up, play it again. You can do whatever you want. It also has closed captioning so you can follow it a lot easier. And um, so it really fulfilled what I had in mind. And I think, uh, I think Jim 
um, Jim Fitzgerald was also pleased with his uh, ability to take that and present it in a way that really could be beneficial to a lot of people. That's his, that's his expertise and it's, he's good at it. So give us the scope in terms of, if you got 50 topics, I mean, you have 50, 10 minute sessions, give us the scope of what you cover. Wow, okay, we cover <clears throat> everything from the introduction. <laughs> Just teasing. Uh, philosophy of practice, why you do things and why you don't do things. How do you do certain procedures? Why do you do this? What materials work best for this? What materials work best for that? Why be so, why be so non-invasive? Why be so concerned about quicker, cheaper, better? If you're not quicker, cheaper, better, it's not good enough. You can be quicker and you can be cheaper, but if you're not better, it's not worth, not worth the change. So a lot of those features are throughout the whole presentation. So philosophy, um, how you're going to do things, why you're going to do things, but a big focus on why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Ask yourself that question. And if you do, you get very, very critical about what you're doing. So it's why, and then what, and then how do you do it? So I want to be able to show people not just what can be done, but I want a dentist to know how to do it and be able to ask questions by reviewing the whole tape or video presentation a second time or a third time or a fourth time, or review it right between that, right before the patient walks through the door, it's okay. gonna do a certain procedure and you say, I remember that, but I need to go through it again real quick. So play the 10 minute interval with your assistant, you have a 10 minute video and you speed it up to 1.5 and you and your assistant review that for the patient gets there, and you know how to set up for it, and you know, and you're, and you've got a comfort zone that's immediate. It's not like, oh, I heard that, I heard that about six or eight months ago, at a convention in Southern California at the Anaheim meeting, and I remember something about how to do, and I, but I can't remember it. So forget right. it. We'll just do it the older way. So if I'm if I'm a Crown Council young dentist, five years or less out of school, what are the biggest takeaways I'm going to get with? If I've got you know, five years or less of it worth of experience, what do I get from mentors and masters? You're going to sidestep and reduce the learning curve by, like we said, probably 10 years in one year or less if you want to hustle it. That's number one. The takeaway is you're going to be familiar with a lot of things you've never heard of in dental school. They never heard of in dental school. Most dental schools don't teach this. That's one of the reasons that I declined from teaching at a dental school in Denver, because what I was doing was not well received uh, by the mainstream. Um, so your takeaway would be that you're shortening your learning curve substantially. You're going to get a real good feel for new materials, new techniques, techniques you've never heard of. And um, you're going to have fun doing it. You're going to be able to, and you're not going to be spending years stabbing in the dark trying to find something that would be helpful to you you're going to know in six months or less what's possible and you can review all of these if you want i wouldn't i wouldn't binge watch it because it'll become way too confusing too much information too soon. <clears throat> but yeah you can definitely shorten the learning curve and uh make dentistry a lot more fun and um 
you can prepare for your retirement right away early <laughs> you, can make, you can help your patients be pleased um you can increase your bottom line there's a lot of things you can do with this i mean it's a lot i mean it's basically up to you it's self-learning yes but in dentistry you've got to be self-learning you've got to be willing to read your journals you've got to be willing to go to conventions you've got to be willing to reach out and and to look at other ways of doing things and find out and find people that can help you really help you. So I guess it would be safe to say, I'll say this, you, you probably, you're too modest to say this, but if I'm five years or less, this has the potential to do for your young associate and for someone else, what you did for young associate, which is give them a 10 year head start. It'll shorten the learning curve and, and jumpstart them into a much higher level of, clinical care. I'm going to say that you didn't say that, but I'm going to say that. If I, if that happened from this, I would be very happy. My, my focus <laughs> in my life right now is I really enjoy helping people. I really enjoy helping other dentists, any dentist that's willing to listen and learn and give it a try. I want to help that person because I know there's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of hoops you got to jump through and a lot of things you're going to have to learn. And if I can help shorten that curve that's what i want to do all right uh i'm let's let's shift now and let's uh let's say i'm 12 to 15 years in practice i've hit the wall like you did i think most every dentist that i have met gets to that point in their practice where they say there has got to be a better way to do this i'm not going to be able to make it doing this for several more decades i got to find a faster better easier way to do it um, what would you say to that group? I would say this would be a great place to start. I don't want to be too boisterous about this, but um, if I had this opportunity staring at me at that 13-year mark, they would have solved a lot of my problems very quickly. And I, I remember when I was in dental school, <clears throat> a stranger, a woman that I met, um, it was a neighbor of a friend of mine, and she asked me what I was doing. I said I was going to dental school, and I said, "Oh," and she said, "Oh, my husband's a dentist," and I said, "Oh, that's interesting. That's nice. And how does he like it?" And she looked at me and she said, "He hates it." <laughs> I yeah. said, "How long has he been doing that?" And I, I was stunned. I was like, <laughs> rocked back on my chair. I was like, "I'm talking to somebody whose husband is a dentist," and she just reported to me that he hates what he's doing. I, right. I had not heard that yet. But I actually got to a point where I thought, if I go on from this 13-year mark and I don't change, and I don't change a lot of things, the next 20 years are going to be really hard. And I'm really not going to like what I'm doing. I'm going to be doing everything Monday through Friday just so I can get out of town on Saturday, Sunday. That's not a good way to live. I want to, dentistry is something I've chosen. I want that to work for me. And I'm going to work hard to make it work for me. And that was my attitude. So I changed a lot of things. It took a lot of time to change it. it. Took me a lot longer to change it than I think I could change it for somebody now. Right. But basically what you've what you've done here is you've condensed your entire career in dentistry and put them into 50 bite-sized pieces to say here's the building blocks of things that took you a career to learn. If you can master these now, you'll you'll have, you'll save yourself an entire career potentially. Exactly, exactly. If you can take these 50 things and plug them into your practice and really make them work for you, it would shorten everything down substantially. 
and give you the ability to have fun in your practice and to enjoy practicing dentistry. I mean, All right, we're, not feeling, we're, not, we're not doing brain surgery, so let's enjoy what we're doing. Let's get down to it. All right, we're let's let's talk to the 20 plus year in practice crowd. Uh, so I've been doing this for a couple decades. Uh, you look back at where you were 20 years, this would have been about the time you went to Colorado. Um, and I think you would say that over those next 20 years, the things that you learned in that in that segment was probably some of the most valuable things you learned in your career would that be safe yeah that's really true that really is amazing <clears throat> um that that group you're talking about the i think mentors and masters offers the possibility and offers the opportunity for those dentists that are maybe into a into a groove to look outside that groove look outside the box they're in and to try some different things and to find out, is this for real? Okay, because it would give you the opportunity if you've been in practice for 20 years or more, gives you the opportunity to perhaps revive your own practice to make it live more, to make it more fun because you're gonna get tired of it no matter what you're doing if you're doing the same thing over and over again every day. One of the things that happened to me, uh, the last thing that happened to me in my, in my practicing moments was an introduction of a new material. Um, it was a composite, posterior composite restorative material. And I had done things a certain way for 25 years. And this material changed all of that and changed my mind completely in only a matter of two or three applications or trials of using that material. I was just I was stunned at how much how much better it could be and how much time it would save. In case anybody's interesting that interested, that material is called Bolt EZ, okay? And it's an auto-cure bolt fill material. And it's got properties about it that make it special. And I talk about that in the present in one of the presentations on class two and class one composite dentistry. But it changed everything on that, on that on that day that I tried that material. And I've been doing something in the same way for 20 years. I changed it in one day. It was like, oh my goodness, this is so much better. It's ridiculous. That's what I wanna offer in Mentors and Masters. I want people to be, how, to reach, not every single presentation is gonna be like that, but to think about what you're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Think about it. Would this be another way to do it? I'm not saying it's the only way or the best way. I'm just saying this is another way. Maybe you should think about it, at least give it a try. Because I did, and I found some very interesting results. So uh, when when you look at all of those pieces that you put together, and and there's there's a backstory on this. Let me just touch on one. Uh, Fifty thousand before and after pictures. Yeah, How no. do you wait a minute? How do you get fifty thousand before? Are those all your? I mean, you're not. You haven't shown fifty thousand in in their curriculum put together, but you drew from fifty thousand different different photos. That's a huge library. That was an enormous library, and like I said, I bought a camera early on in '86. It was a film camera. I took it was a Pentax camera, and I was taking pictures. I was taking 
anywhere from 30 to 100 photographs every day, portraits, close-ups, intraorals. I was learning to use it, so I was taking a lot of pictures. Um, and it was fun. I liked photography. I always have liked photography. So it was a good fit for me. Great fit. And um, they started piling up, and I had to create ways of maintaining order. And I did. I found a way or made up a way to do it because there wasn't anybody to teach me. It would have been nice to have somebody teach me how to do that. And then digital made it so much easier. And then I could take multiple befores, multiple afters, tons of them, just put them in my computer and drop them or keep them or whatever I wanted to. But we did have an enormous library to choose from. And that helped me produce a lot of mem a lot of your members will remember high impact image and high impact marketing, which was built also on some of the earlier photographs. And that was all those were all photos and slides. And that was done long before video, before, uh, yeah, before digital photography. Yeah. And I sent the camera in for repair to uh, <laughs> my Pentax camera, it wasn't working very well. I sent it for repair and they sent it back with a nice gift and said, get a new camera because this one is worn out. You've worn out everything you can wear out on. Okay, we've never amazing. seen one this worn out. Wow. But I was enjoying it, taking a lot of pictures, having a lot of fun with it. And I can see why a lot of people wouldn't take pictures early in the early on days right. of photography. And they're way too much trouble to maintain the order and control. But with the digital, it's easier, much easier. I recommend that dentists do that because it's such a great way to communicate with your patients. So. Love it. Okay, philosophically, uh, you know how much emphasis we put on goals in the Crown Council. I mean, that's we have talked about that for decades. And uh, you'll remember the very first Crown Council annual event, we focused uh, really the foundational principle of systems and the whole Deming management philosophy and really mapping all that out. So goals or systems, Tom, which is more important? Systems are actually more important than goals because without systems, you, you don't have order. If you don't have order, you don't have coordination with anything you're doing. And so you're constantly trying to piece everything back together to accomplish your goals. And so you never get there. So if you have great systems, then you have order. If you have order, you can make coordination part of your operation. And that makes for seamless delivery. It makes for things being finished at the end of the day, put away at the end of the day. It makes for patients that are happy. It makes for a, an office that is fun to be in and fun to be part of for everybody. It makes for greater, uh, greater profitability because time is money if you can save time. And I, and I would, I would say that if you could learn from mentors and masters how to save an hour a day, that's probably worth maybe fifty to $100,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, it really is that big. It's hard to imagine, but your retirement is made out of minutes and minute to minute piece at a time. It's not like one big giant windfall. So when you have, when you have systems and you have order, then you can achieve your goals. And what's important about goals, and I know I learned this from you, is that a goal is really a dream and a dream with a time limit. So if you're going to put a time limit on it to make a dream a goal, you have to have systems. If you don't have systems, you'll never get there. I'm going to take you back to your <clears throat> protege who eventually took over your practice. 
And if you were to go back to him right now, if I had him in the room with us, and you were to sum up <clears throat> the most important thing that you would want him or anybody in, in dentistry that wanted to be successful in dentistry, uh, what is, what's the one thing from Tom Hughes that matters most? You have to ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Number one, you have to establish a very clear philosophy that can, that can identify a path <clears throat> to your successful achievement of your goals. And all that is going to be put together with little bits and pieces along the way. Like I said, the, um, the goals can't be achieved without, without the order, without the organization. The, you can't even establish goals until you have a philosophy. You, can't, you don't even know where you're going. You're starting out on a trip to New York and you don't even know which direction to go. Right. That's what you're doing. <clears throat> but if you, know, if you have a map, then you can say, okay, we're going to go this far on this day and we're going to stop here for food or dinner or whatever. And you can actually map out a plan. So you have to ask why, what am I doing? How am I going to do this? What's my plan? What's my philosophy? You're going to put that together and that's where you're going to begin. And everything else fits in. Forget the fact that we're talking about a technique or we're talking about a certain way of doing something that I did that was successful to me. It's not going to be successful to everybody. I know that. But it's worth a discussion. It's worth a look. I mean, I wish I'd had this to look at uh, myself. Like I said, it would have been nice. It would have been nice. So um, I think that sums it up. But I would say, I know it's not one word, but that's what I would do is, is ask yourself, why paint a, paint a picture where you want to go in a very vivid picture. Make that vivid picture vibrate with your enthusiasm, where you want to go and what you want to achieve. It has to be that vivid. It has to be, you can write it down. You can paint pictures of it. You can do whatever you want to do, but you have to have that in your heart and your soul. And you have to make your, you have to make your profession, your passion. And you have to work at that every day. Dr. Tom Hughes, uh, Mentors and Masters, an amazing program. And with this Mentor of the Month will be information on how you can access that program <clears throat> at a Crown Council only rate. Thank you, Tom, mm -hmm. for making that available. And uh, I, uh, I'm not an expert on the clinical side of dentistry, <clears throat> but I can say from a, just an overall quality and production, <clears throat> it is world-class. You have put something together here that is uh, absolutely just world-class. Being able to condense down information into bite-sized pieces that are actionable and understandable is uh, a huge, huge accomplishment. And then putting that in a sequential format that can be, that can be built on and can learn uh, is gonna be a huge help. So thank you for sharing today. Um, thank you for a career's worth of wisdom and putting that in a format that, that many, many, many professionals will be able to benefit from and uh, build, as they say, uh, build on the shoulders of giants. And you certainly are one of those. So thank you. Thanks for sharing and thank you for everything you, you're doing and that you've done. Well, thank you, Steve. It's an honor to be able to speak with you again. And I hope I can help many of your members of the Crown Council. I remember when I was a member, 
I was a member for a long time and became one of the first and early qualified members. Yes, you are. Time and money well spent. Um, I learned a lot from you. As far as mentors and masters, what you just said in the last few moments describes it very well. I couldn't have said it any better. I, I certainly can't toot my own horn like you can, but <laughs> I, I appreciate what you did for me. And this is a give back to you and the, and the Crown Council and the membership of the Crown Council and even the uh, offering that we make it available to the members is a, a bit of a give back from my, my end of it too. I appreciate what I learned and learning how to share and learning how to work with other people. It's been a lot, it made a lot of, a lot more fun in my practice. So I appreciate that and thank you. Uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for your contribution and uh, ongoing. We look forward to continuing the journey. Thank you, Tom. Okay, you bet. Thank you.